You're listening to Across the Universe from Grand Cross Renovation, released January 20th, 2022, composed by Fumihito Uekusa. Welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, welcome back, Bedroff. Hey, it's me. I'm back. I wasn't here last time. It was was some other guy. Yeah, how about that? (laughs) It was good, man. It was real good. Very nice episode. Music was fantastic. and Yeah. Spotlight on Final Fantasy 16. Absolutely. It was a fun one to do, man. I was... I was actually stoked to finally get to talk about that game because, as we as we talked about in the episode, he and I have largely not discussed it amongst each other before that. Yeah. So out, outside of like where are you at, and then me just kind of like giving him helpful hints here and there to yeah. stuff to do. But it was a really good episode, and I had a lot of fun. And dude, that music is so good. Like I said, my favorite soundtrack of 2023 so far. <laughs> if anybody has not checked that one out yet, go back and do it. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, indeed? Real quick, if you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you chose to listen to us on. It drops a quick rating interview. Really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works on those as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. Bedroth, it's been a minute since I have read comments that have been left on some of our previous episodes. I actually oh. forgot I was doing that for a while. <laughs> um, so let's, to be honest, out, I don't quite know um, where we left off. So there's a few episodes where there was no comments left on there. So I'm just going to start with 
gardens. Oh no, we did that one because I remember the the person suggested Florama from Pokemon. Yeah. So we did read that comment. Okay, so that was there. Did we read the comments from the Rainbow Roads Forever episode? Mm, I don't remember. So I think, go ahead. I don't and read. think we did. So <laughs> two months ago, Marina posted that this was a great episode, and Nick actually just eleven days ago, Nick posted, "Cool, please do more Paper Mario Origami King." Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Keep that in mind. Um, and then we jump to Steam and Steampunk. Melissa, there you go. Melissa said, nice theme. You got me intrigued by the SteamWorld series. Another cool and little known Steampunk game is Solatorobo. S-O-L-A-T-O-R-O-B-O. Solatorobo. Solatorobo. Solatorobo, maybe? Yeah. Well, anyway, cool. Cool. Uh, she good. did say it's she shared some, that uh, soundtrack over in our Discord, so if anyone's intrigued, oh, go check that out. We will have to check that out. And yeah, to folks like, uh, like you know, uh, you mentioned more Paper Mario Origami King. Remember, anybody out there, if you uh, give us a recommendation on Discord, Spotify, wherever, uh, it might show up in a future radio hour. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Hyrule Fields Forever. Brandon said, I really enjoyed this episode. As someone who hasn't played all of the Legend of Zelda games yet, it was great going through a history of the series via its music. Love this show. Keep at it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Tears of the Kingdom. Alexander said, great episode. And then Melissa, once again, coming in. Amazing episode. I just finished the Goron area, and I felt a little burned out from playing the game. Great <laughs> tracks from funny. the areas I haven't been to yet. I be back up. Yeah, I am... Um... I stopped uh, after I rolled credits on Tears of the Kingdom a few weeks ago, and I thought I was going to want to jump back in real quick and go back and do some more things, but I'm actually kind of glad I've got some distance because, man, I was buried in that game for a while. So that is funny, getting burned out after the Goron area, even though <laughs> Death Mountain is all dry now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Manami Matsume episode. John said, fantastic history of Manami Matsume. Really enjoyed this one. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. And then that looks like the most recent comment we've gotten. So the, the last episode that had comments was Manami Matsume. All right. Well, good stuff. If uh, anybody catches up to the more recent episodes and has any anything for us, you know, Maybe you can trot those out on the radio hour this month. Seems like it might be a good time to go back and revisit some Lister comments. Okay. All right. Although I'm not hearing radio hours and I do like hearing them. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll just keep doing it when we do it. Yeah. I just, whenever <laughs> I remembered, uh, oh, there's some new comments. So yeah, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely keep doing it. Always nice. There are some few new names, a uh, few new names there. So it's always nice to hear when there's some new people in our orbit. Hey, <laughs> hey, Brian. Orbit, indeed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like. That. Oh, and uh, speaking of orbits, what are we, uh, <laughs> what are we talking about today? <laughs> we are taking a trip. We're taking a trip today, Bedroth. Me actually taking a trip. <laughs> My God! But for everyone else out there, we're going to take a trip across the universe. Yeah, man, across the universe, which was also the title of our opening track it that was. I found. Yeah, super fun little play in there that you happened to uh, stumble across out there in the. Uh, I don't know, yeah, that the comes vast, from a vast emptiness of space. A shmup that came out last year. Um, Apparently, I, th- I think this might have been either a remake or a reimagining of an older game called Grand Cross. Uh, it's called Grand Cross. Sense. 
Renovation. Yeah. It's a vertical shooter currently on Steam. It's 50% off. It's uh, $7.50 right now. Uh, reviews are very positive. So, uh, yeah, might be something if you like that kind of game. Might be something to look up on Steam. But, yeah, man, this this track is really cool. The soundtrack itself is great, but, of course, on this episode, I had to go with this one. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this track actually sets us on the path that I'm hoping, that I'm hoping we're going to get from this episode. Um, when I put this one on the calendar, this was one of my ideas, I believe. Yes. And when I initially thought of this, this is the style and the vibe that I kind of had in my head, right? Like your word that you like to use often, ethereal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those, those yeah, types of vibes. That's definitely one place you could go. Yeah. Otherworldly settings, otherworldly sounds, right? Obviously, there's no way to actually do or make something that's otherworldly since it's all generated from something on Earth. But right. um, just the way that it sounds sometimes sounds like it's not from here. And that's kind of the idea that I had in my head for this particular episode. And I like that you found a track called Across the Universe that has that exact feel to it. Yeah, I mean, it's got that sense of adventure, that that sense of, uh, you know, exploration and excitement. Um, and I do think, mostly because of the sense, I do think it has that sort of otherworldly sound to it that you mentioned. Um, and yeah, even though we can't really comprehend really something. Sense are really one of the bigger um, instruments that are used in this style yes. of music. Yeah, And I would guess that the reason that is, is because when we really started thinking about space in these terms with things like, like landing on the moon, the space race, and then like the, the, in, in the 80s with Star Wars and everything like that, synths were becoming a big thing. And a lot of them were being used in those soundtracks because they were new. And so was this whole, this pop culture obsession with space. And so it, you know, it made sense. So this is what we have been conditioned to think that space sounds like. And I, I, I and can it probably doesn't probably not. You know, if there is any, anything out there, if the other species that are out there have developed music, if, you know, or something now, like it, you know, they uh, have, um, well, maybe. What if they don't even have, like, you know, the same kinds of senses that we do? What if they perceive the world well, in entirely don't. different ways because of the environment they, they evolved do. in? They absolutely do. That I agree How with. do you know? Yeah. How do you so, know? But I feel like they also have an equivalent, maybe not the same thing that we think of as music, but I guarantee you they have an equivalent. Yeah, maybe instead of sound, it's something that they feel. Vibrations. Or it's like a change it's in vibrations. temperature. Or vibrations. something that they breathe, you know? Yeah, Ooh. it's uh, Ooh, or something breathe. they smell, you know? Maybe, maybe they they make art, olfactory art, because they they perceive the world largely through uh, something that's closer to like our noses. Man, well, this is this is crazy. But hey, it's across <laughs> the universe. So what do you uh, what do you what do you expect? What a great Broadway musical that is, by the way. Yeah, man, I'm not even that huge of a Beatles fan. I respect them because, you know, they're the Beatles. Come on. But still, Across yeah, the Universe them. was, yeah, was fantastic. I loved it. Dude, that's actually one of my favorite uh, Broadway musical-like films, like ones that just, I'm sure that it's mm -hmm. been done on stage now, previously, or maybe even before that movie came out. I actually don't know. Um, but man, that is a good one. I really enjoy that. I was glad that you called this episode Across the Universe because... It narrows down the idea of, you know, like space songs that would have been next to impossible uh, oh, yeah. because 
There's so many places you can go with that. But across the universe, it's that that grand, you know, it the 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 idea of bringing music that talked about the universe itself or like sort of conveyed the scope of the universe uh, was what I what I aim to do rather than doing just like, you know, spaceships or just planets or just aliens, you know, um, it, 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 it gave me a focus. But still, one of the tracks I almost brought was uh, Jake Kaufman's DuckTales remastered version of the moon theme. Because okay. that track always makes me think. Like, when I think space in video games, that track comes to mind. The original. Not necessarily Jay Coppins' version, although it is fantastic. It's phenomenal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, of course, you've already played the original NES Moon theme, so. We have. We have. But it's so good. So, it's so good. very, very, very good. Very, very good. But that was, a, that was a long intro. We caught up with some listeners, and we meandered a little bit and talked about some other music. What do you say? We, uh, you want to jump into your first block? Let's do that. And to do that, we are going to go back to the very beginning. So let's go ahead and take a listen to 14.3 billion years, otherwise known as the credits from Outer Wilds. This released on May 28th, 2019, and it was composed by Andrew Prollo. Thank you. 
Up next, let's take a listen to Milky Way from FTL Faster Than Light, released September 14th, 2012, composed by Ben Prunty. Last up in this block, we're going to take a listen to Stardust Level 4 from Neon Drive. This released on November 4th, 2015, and it was composed by Pengus.
coming back in, we are first talking about 14.3 billion years, otherwise known as the credits music from Outer Wilds, again released May 28th, 2019, composed by Andrew Prollo. And I was telling wow. you as we listened to this, yeah, wow is the only way to describe this, the wow signal, right? That we discovered 40 plus years ago that is probably our only candidate for potential communication from any other civilization out there somewhere across the universe. <laughs> um, the, the, Man. Literally, that's all this, you can say is wow. But you took me on a I trip, feel dude. like, yeah, I feel like this is the creation of the universe. Like if you took that cosmic microwave background somehow, all that energy. Mm-hmm and pumped it out into music. This is the story of the universe's creation right here. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see this, you know, playing under a cinematic that uh, shows the singularity expanding into, you know, all the, you know, all the hydrogen and uh, then eventually that turning itself into helium and then eventually the stars getting together and cooking up all the heavy elements and making rocks and dust and all that kind of just expanding and blasting and then gravity decides to assert itself and those <laughs> rocks turn into moons and asteroids and planets and then they just all start spinning around each other in this big machine that we happen to have found ourselves inside of a tiny little cog of. <laughs> this music, oh, I love it. This music I love fits. it. <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. And I got to say, if you've never played Outer Wilds, we have played. I was so pleased that we would not played this track before. We've played some things from Outer Wilds on the podcast in the past. Um, if you've never played this game, you're missing out. This is such a cool experience that allows you to explore a solar system. It's not ours, but it's a solar system that is currently stuck in a time loop. And every 22 okay. minutes, a supernova goes off and the time loop See, resets. I, I know about this game. I know the concept really well. I always get it confused with the outer worlds that came out around the same time. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. But I, th I think I might own this game. Uh, it definitely is very intriguing to me. Every time I hear about it, I'm like, I want to go play that. It's such a freaking phenomenal experience. Uh, very emotional, actually. This is a very emotional game, especially if you're as into this type of material like I am. Um, it is a very emotional game because throughout that 22 minutes before the super... And you know, like, you know, right? You have 22 minutes and then the supernova's going off. Like, you know the mm -hmm. end is coming. And as it comes closer and closer and, like, it, it starts counting down, like, the music gets more intense, right? Like, you know, like, this is the end. It's such, it's such a crazy experience. But in that 22 minutes, you have to take what you have been able to figure out and uncover about this time loop and what's going on and how to potentially stop the loop from happening because you're not actually from this solar system. You're crash landed on this planet. Now you're stuck in a time loop. Um, it's it's a really cool feeling and it's a really cool vibe. These developers did a phenomenal, Mobius Digital, actually the team that uh, made this game, they did a great job. And like I said, it's, it's very, very emotional at times, um, especially as you start to figure things out and, and figure out why things are happening the way that they are. Um, 
It's a crazy experience, but man, the entire soundtrack to this game is stellar. It's absolutely stellar. Well, I know that uh, I could just keep listening to this this one track all night. Um, I could get stuck in a time loop if this was the soundtrack for my existence. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe before I, I get trapped, I get pulled into that orbit and I can't get out. Maybe let's uh, let's move on. I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need to move really fast to yeah, escape you need the to orbit. Maybe go faster than light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> move into some FTL faster than light. We listen to Milky Way. Again, this released on September 14th, 2012, and was composed by Ben Prunty. Um, this is such a cool... Have you ever played Faster Than Light? I think so. Is this... Uh, so describe it, and I can tell you. So it's a it's a real-time strategy roguelike where you are basically controlling this spacecraft that um, technically can go, as the name of the game says, Faster Than Light, and you go about um, upgrading your ship picking different things about it. Um, there's combat with other ships. It's generally regarded as one of the first games of its kind, if I'm thinking correctly. Um, it kind of started this space roguelike real-time strategy genre that evolved after FTL released. Um, a lot of people attribute this game to being the one that actually kicked off this subgenre, so to speak. Um, yes, I have cool played game. this song. Okay, it's such a cool game. And Ben Prunty did a great job with the soundtrack, dude. Like, it doesn't sound... This is what I'm talking about, right? Like, this doesn't sound earthly, but it is. Yeah, yeah. It's... And, and it's a perfect... Like, this this block was perfectly constructed, dude. Like, the, <laughs> the transition and the, the trip that this takes you on is just phenomenal. Um, it's... I'm kind of beyond words when I, I listen to music like this. I think it was when this one started playing that I, I told you, man, I love music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like just the things that it can evoke and the things that it, it just music is the thing that keeps me from just becoming basically a total materialist nihilist because music makes me remember that I have a soul and that sure. there is yep. more out there than just the physical world. Absolutely. That's the best way I can explain it. And, and this block was just a perfect example of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love just, it's very ambient, right? This particular track, very ambient as mm -hmm. it should be, yes. um, you know, thinking in the terms of, the entire expansive universe as we go across it, right? Like, it would be ambient, right? It's mostly empty, at least what we perceive as empty, right? You know, not accounting for dark matter or anything like that. But um, these particular sounds that Ben Prunty is using in this particular track, they're, they're so, in, like we were kind of talking about earlier, right, with how it all started from the 80s, they're so ingrained that sci-fi feel like, as soon as you hear that, you just know. You know where mm -hmm. you're going. And it's such a cool feeling. Yeah, man. I uh, I love it. It's, it's a great feeling. It's a very cool feeling. And I was just about at that point where I was just going to, like, zone out and, uh, and go up to the next plane of existence. And then that last track kicked in. <laughs> and yeah my <laughs> that last track we listened to was from neon drive we listened to stardust otherwise known as level four again this released on november 4th 2015 it was composed by pengus and i feel like i remember talking about pengus we have played another track from this game previously on bg mania we played level one before 
Um, I remember trying to find information on Pengus, and it's not easy. Like, I don't actually know who he is, or who she is, or who they are. Like, I don't know. No idea. And that's also kind of cool. Um, you can find them on SoundCloud. It's really the only place I've uncovered. And they are on Bandcamp as well. Um, okay. Yeah, they are on Bandcamp. If it's the same Pengus, it has to be, right? Who else would name themselves Pengus? I, yeah, I mean, uh, uh... You know, an electronic musician named Pingus. That's that would that'd be really weird if there were two of them. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to check out more of their stuff if uh, if it's anything like this. This was fantastic. All I'm really familiar with from them is this soundtrack to Neon Drive, but I adore this soundtrack and this particular track here, Stardust. Right, like again, it has a lot of the synth vibes that I personally attribute to the universe, like what it could potentially sound like out there. Um, I, I love how the composer mixed in a lot of like video game sounds to this particular, like the sound effects yeah. in this particular track. When those kicked it's in, also I a was lot of fun. very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun, but this does feel like you are jumping in some intergalactic car or spaceship and just going for a cruise across the universe. And that's sick. It does. It does. I will also say, if you like this, it, it reminded me a lot. There are two soundtracks that you should check out if you like this. One of them is to the little indie game VVVVVV, which uh, you have played <laughs> I love from so previously, much. actually somewhat recently. Yeah, yeah. On a, BG, sure on a radio hour. On a radio hour. Yeah. Um, after it was one of the games I played earlier this year, and just loved, and the soundtrack was great. The other one is just Shapes and Beats. Oh yeah. Especially mm -hmm. with those like that those game sounds, it reminded me of. Uh, one of the tracks in particular from Just Shapes and Beats. Um, the Wayback Podcast, a really fun little show that, that I like a lot, actually just did a, a focus on that. So when you're done oh, listening nice. to this one, if you like this synthy stuff, go check out that uh, Just Shapes and Beats um, showcase. It was cool stuff. Nice. Very I nice. love it because the host, Chris, is a, he's a dad like me, and he's a super nerd like me, and but he is just effervescently positive and happy about everything video game music and it's just so so much fun you can't help but smile it's listening to him and i couldn't help but smile listening to this track dude this oh it was so good and i'm glad you enjoyed it man i've already been talking a lot but i gotta say uh at this point um the concept of stardust is one of the coolest things to me on you know on this side of not religion. talking cody Rhodes, um, right uh, <laughs> no, uh, okay. not, not particularly, just because I, I don't have that in my wheelhouse. But, um, you know, when I was religious, I had a lot of religious experiences thinking about the divine and things beyond me and picturing myself in the scope of, you know, time as created by God and things like that. And I, I think there is a place for that. I think that that kind of transcendental experience, no matter how you do it, is a good thing. Um, and after I kind of lost, you know, my faith while I was in that, that phase, um, I missed that feeling. And then I heard on, I, I want to say it was, it was Pete Holmes, uh, you made it weird podcast. He was talking to an astrophysicist and the astrophysicist was like, we, um, Pete always talks about religion on his show because he is also an ex Christian and he was really super into like being a Christian when he was younger, like I was. So 
um, he he talks to people about religion, and this astrophysicist said that he's not really religious, but when he thinks about the way that the universe seems to have unfolded based on what we have been able to tell, you know, guys like Einstein and, and Hawking and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan and all these guys who have been able to really, like, dig into these things and make them to where we can kind of understand them. The way that I laid out how the universe created was obviously a super, super digest when I did it at the beginning of this, you know, dialogue. Um, but if it did happen that way, then we are made of stardust. Like when the stars exploded, that created the heavier metals that like the planets are made of. We know Absolutely. that our bodies are composed of things like iron, magnesium, potassium, the stuff that we need in our diets in order to live. Um, carbon, you know, we're made of those heavy metals. And wherever our like life force ultimately came from, whatever you want to say about that, our bodies themselves came from the dirt and the dirt came from the stars. So we are sentient stardust. And that Absolutely. just makes my day every time I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything that exists had to come from something, right? Like in the physical form, at least. Like yeah, I all mean, that started somewhere and it's all the same. Like we're all made of the matter same and energy yeah. are not created or destroyed. They're just transmuted. Absolutely. So yeah, cool it's stuff. Such man. A cool, yeah. Such a cool thing. Very, very cool. But speaking of creativity and things that, uh, you know, the stories that we come up with to explain ourselves and to cool explore the universe in our minds. <laughs> yeah. Cool I'm excited about this block and it's got, you know, a track from a game that we have enjoyed before that I know kind of fits in with your first block. It, certainly does. it also has a track from a game that we just talked about with Prof Jeff. You know, <laughs> I've uh, I've recently brought a couple of tracks uh, by a composer who went by the name of Norrin Rad when he was first starting out. And a lot of people out there will know Norrin Rad is actually the name of uh, a fairly famous Silver Age superhero. But before we get to those two tracks, we're going to start with a soundtrack I never thought I would bring anything from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as I enjoyed this game when I was younger, every time I've looked up the soundtrack as an adult, I'm like, man, this is so, so farty and gross and weird. But then I decided for this, you know, for this uh, topic, I was like, you know what? I'll just check out this one track. And it stuck around. Uh, all the tracks that I knocked off the list, this one stuck around. So let's start out this block with the Shi'ar Empire from X-Men, released March 8th, 1993 uh, for the Genesis and composed by Fletcher Beasley. Thank you. 
Next up, let's listen to Level 1 from Silver Surfer, released November 1990, composed by Tim and Jeff Fallen. Closing out my first block, let's listen to Game Complete from the unreleased Green Lantern for the SNES, composed by Dean Evans.
coming back in. <laughs> we are first talking about the Shi'ar Empire from the Genesis masterpiece, the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Shi'ar oh. Empire. Add a T in there, and it kind of sounds like what the bass line is doing this entire track. I could not... Uh stop laughing <laughs> like and i know i'm very inebriated i'm like i said i'm i'm tripping balls over here myself um, yeah i got some new gummies that are shroom based and it's it's very very nice but for some reason i'm listening to this again and like i can already feel the giggles coming like this <laughs> this yep. baseline i i everything else going on here i'm digging but that baseline something about it i don't like the baseline <laughs> I, I, I will say your uh, your recreation of choice is perfect for this episode, um, but but yeah, it's so this game. Did you ever play this game? No. The Genesis X Men. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have not. It was it was clunky, but it was fun, and I had really just kind of started getting into the X Men, and so this was was perfect. Um, it is it's. It's not super hard, but it wasn't very intuitive, and the the hit boxes were kind of kind of lame. Um, <laughs> but the fact that I got to play is some of the coolest X Men. Of course, Wolverine, but then you got like Nightcrawler and Gambit. Uh, Nightcrawler was so so fun, so fun to play. I'm really still impressed at how they were able to use his like teleporting thing and actually make it work. But mm -hmm. Yeah, the soundtrack of this game is not not great, but but I was glad this one was at least serviceable and it was a, you know a very different feel from anything else I'm I'm bringing. And um, yeah, I uh, wanted once I knew I was bringing the other two in this block, I, I really wanted to kind of round this out with another comic uh, comic game. Um, so I don't know how familiar you are with the X-Men and uh, Jeff would go into much more detail on these. So maybe it's good that I'm the one doing it because I'm not going to ramble as much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, My knowledge of X-Men comes from the movies. So, yeah. So um, the, the Shi'ar Empire is one of the big three alien empires in the Marvel Universe. Uh, people are familiar with the Skrulls because of uh, the MCU and what they've done with them. Uh, the Kree are another group that are kind of featured in the MCU with Captain Marvel and such, but just not as much as the Skrulls. Um, and uh, the Kree and the Skrulls have been fighting this intergalactic civil war for... I don't know, like ever. Um, and the Shi'ar are like the other big empire who are mostly pacifists, but they're also kind of um, authoritarian. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, and, it, you know, comics, comics are written by rebels. And so there you go. But the Shi'ar empire has been around since the 70s. Uh, so it's been, I think it, let me see, first appeared, X-Men number 97 in 1976. And probably the most famous uh, person in the Shi'ar Empire is uh, Princess Lilandra, who is a love interest for Charles Xavier um, and eventually becomes the empress of the empire and does a lot of good stuff, does a lot of cool stuff. So, but yeah, um, in this game, uh, they basically take you to a lot of the big main places that the X-Men go. So, of course, at some point you are teleported to the Shi'ar Empire. And I, I think that the, the ship you're on is trying to destroy you because you're intruders. And so you have to escape the ship. But, um, but yeah, so that is the Shi'ar. And uh, don't really want to listen to this song anymore. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> now this one I, I think at this point now we played pretty much all of the main themes from this game yep this this caps <laughs> it off ah uh, but man it, it, this is a this is iconic this is a super oh, famous track 
because it's one of the best ones on the NES from maybe maybe the most technically advanced and impressive composer on the NES, I think. Um, yeah, Tim Fallon and Jeff Fallon, who was with him on most of what he did. Silver Server for the NES. Man, what a soundtrack. Yeah, this is... This is the vibe, dude. This is this and your next one, man. This is kind of what I was wanting out of this particular episode. And obviously, I think a lot of people, especially in the video game music scene, knows about the Silver Surfer soundtrack because of Tim and Jeff Fallen. But um, I was telling you, I couldn't believe we haven't played this before on the show. Um, it's it's so good. And the fact that it's an NES, right? The NES sound chip doing everything we know it shouldn't be yeah. able to do because of Tim Fallen. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Every time I listen to this and realize it's coming out of an NES, I mean, this is perfect because that's basically what the singularity, you know, it was like, you know, this tiny, tiny, tiny little thing and then everything came out of it. That's kind of what Tim Pollan did with the NES sound chip here. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it it um, shouldn't be able to make half of these sounds that it's making, but it is. Yeah, it is. And mm, it's so good. Uh, and it kind of makes sense with the character. Um, I have never been super big into... Silver Surfer, um, a.k.a. Norrin Rad. Uh, he's a cool character, but I think kind of by virtue of how powerful he is and everything, I've never gotten super into him. Um, he started out, uh, Norrin Rad was uh, this um, just normal guy on this faraway planet. I don't even remember the name of it, but Galactus came to his planet one day and um, Rad said, hey, if you don't consume my planet, I will basically help you find other planets so that you don't have to just wander around the universe. I'll go around and basically hunt them down for you. And so Galactus is like, okay, sure, let's do that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, Galactus, for anybody who doesn't know, is one of the Eternals. I believe he's one of the Eternals. He's like them, basically. He's a huge, huge, like, planet-sized dude who... Basically, I think in Marvel continuity, it's been explained that his whole purpose is is basically entropy. He um, destroys things so that other new things can be made. Uh, so he's kind of a, a, nat a cosmic natural disaster, but in the same way a forest fire helps certain trees grow because their seeds can only open under extreme heat. Um, you know, that's kind of the Galactus thing. That's how he's been portrayed. But anyway, um, Norrin Rad was going to make him a little bit less chaotic and only find uninhabited planets for him to devour, but... Galactus uh, wiped his mind and basically prevented that from happening. So, um, <laughs> and he interacted a lot with the uh, Fantastic Four. He fought some of the big, powerful beings like Doctor Doom and Mephisto, who's basically the Satan of the Marvel Universe. Um, one cool thing, he was actually in a supergroup called the Defenders with, originally with Hulk and Namor, who people are familiar with from the most recent Black Panther movie. Um, and then eventually Doctor Strange joined this group and yet somehow these four beings didn't end up like just conquering everything because <laughs> I mean you think Silver Surfer has like the power of the universe in him the the, the, the power cosmic Spider-Man had just a little tiny taste of that in the comics and beat the crap out of Thanos when he had all of the infinity gems <laughs> um, and that's the power Silver Surfer has basically all the time um you got Doctor Strange, of course, and you've got the Hulk. And the more he's 
whatever. I'm 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 less even less interested in the more than I am in the Silver Surfer. But anyway, <laughs> so that sounds like a super group to me. But I don't know. Um, they just didn't have the same star power as the X Men and the Avengers. So one other cool thing, um, Silver Surfer was one of the heroes featured in the crossover uh, Marvel versus DC uh, back in the '90s. Um, it was a four issue series, and basically the premise was that these two brothers that were like the personifications of the two universes figured out that each other were there and didn't like it because they both wanted to be the biggest one, like, you know, the biggest kid in the sandbox. And so they started fighting and that manifested itself in this crossover of the, all the heroes who also started fighting. And it was basically determined that whichever group of heroes won, that universe would survive and the other one would be destroyed and assimilated into it. Um, of course, that was never going to happen. So they, they figured out a way out of it. But the Silver Surfer was matched up against the Green Lantern and specifically Green Lantern Kyle Rayner. Now, I could go deeper into this, but I'm not going to. But my next track is from the SNES Green Lantern, a soundtrack that we have become very familiar with on here and that I know you really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Ever since you first uh, brought this to my attention, I have fallen in love with this particular soundtrack and Dean Evans, of course. This mm-hmm. is this is incredible, dude. Absolutely incredible. I love this track so much. Uh, what are we listening to again? Uh, we are listening to uh, Game Complete. So this would have been the ending theme of the game. And kind of like, I think the high score is also kind of psychedelic, I guess is w- one way you could put you this. You brought that before, right? Um, yes, that was the yeah. first one I brought, yeah, I think. I thought so. And it's similar to this one. Um, there are another couple of tracks that are still good, but more upbeat. But this, I think, is is the best one on the soundtrack. It's so good. I love that guitar so much. Dude, that guitar has such a cosmic feel to it. Like, I was telling you, or asking you even, if Dean Evans, because I think we had this conversation before, if he was inspired by, or at least is a fan of, of Pink Floyd, because a lot of what that guitar is doing um, is very much so what uh, David Gilmour does in Pink Floyd mm-hmm. and that type of sound. But there's even a little bit of Roger Waters here, too, with just the way that it's moving between different sections. It's It's got to be Pink Floyd inspired. It has to be. And I love that because I think Pink Floyd, in terms of like mainstream rock music, is the most otherworldly sounding band that we've ever had. Yeah. Yep. I I would agree. I think um, I also think of Jim Morrison, you know, and The Doors. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that that is definitely more rooted in psychedelia that... um, it's not necessarily of a cosmic nature. Pink Floyd takes it to that level. Pink that's Floyd like, always explores the cosmic themes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's super expansive. It's a, you know, again, that, that idea of transcendence, you know, of going kind of beyond where we are, I, I think, uh, uh, goes hand in hand with, with space travel and space exploration. Um, I will mention that I did a little more looking this time, and I'm even more bummed that this game didn't come out because I found out this Green Lantern game um, would have been based on the Emerald Twilight arc from the mid-90s. And basically what happens, you remember the whole death of Superman thing when Superman was killed by Doomsday. Yeah. Uh, even even people who don't follow comics remember that. Well, in the wake of that, there were four beings that 
came back that were all kind of filling the void of Superman. There was Steel, Superboy, um, a black-suited Superman, and Cyborg Superman. Um, and eventually one of them, he found out, was the real Superman who had come back. But anyway, Cyborg Superman teams up with another big villain named Mongol, and they destroy Coast City, which is the home of the first major Green Lantern um, that, you know, that's in the Green Lantern core. We're not going to get into the original Green Lantern because that's a whole other kettle of fish. But Hal Jordan, um, Coast City is Hal Jordan's home. Well, Hal Jordan comes back to Earth from being, you know, Green Lantern space cop and finds this out and basically loses it and becomes infected by the cosmic being that embodies all fear in the universe, Parallax. Uh, and I am totally over simplifying that because we don't have time. So anyway, Hal Jordan loses it, becomes um, infected by Parallax and basically destroys the Green Lantern Corps and absorbs all of their power rings. And uh, <laughs> Kyle Rayner is brought in to be the new Lantern of this sector and uh, has to basically fight back against uh, Parallax Hal Jordan. Again, I'm missing some things. I'm oversimplifying. Uh, so if anybody wants to correct this, hey, write in. But <laughs> this game would have been based on that, and you would have played as Kyle Rayner, and I imagine Hal Jordan Parallax would have been the final boss. And, man, that would have been cool. I really like Kyle cool. Rayner. He's he is maybe my favorite of the Green Lanterns from Earth, and they're all pretty cool. So, And it's sad, because I do feel like, had this game released, this would be one of the most talked about and well-known Super Nintendo soundtracks to ever have existed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, although, you know, the Waterworld soundtrack, <laughs> uh, the Waterworld game good. isn't ever really Dean talked Evans, about. But also Dean Evans, still. Yep, the Waterworld soundtrack is not talked about as much as it should be, because it is also fantastic. If you like this, go check it out. <laughs> yeah, but man, this is this is exactly exactly what I wanted. Um, yeah, I was excited about this block, specifically Silver Surfer and Green Lantern, but I knew yeah. that you would love this track. Mm -hmm. I certainly did. It was uh, it's going to be hard to pick? Well, a I'm excited on this about. One for me. Uh, I'm excited about your next one. Um, wasn't expecting as much NES on this episode as we've got, but I'm glad it's here. But yeah. I'm not sure what to expect from all these tracks. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, let's go ahead and move into my next block of three then. Bedroth, a couple weeks ago, you and I had a discussion right here on this show about the infamous Planet X or <laughs> that mysterious yes. planet that, uh, you know, some say has such a large orbit around the sun that we have not discovered it. And even Kyle jumped in the Discord and even said, like, most scientists agree that it is out there somewhere. Like, yeah, it's out yeah. there somewhere. Um, I will concede. <laughs> <laughs> So, let's go ahead and take a listen to Planet X, otherwise known as the title theme from Godzilla, Monster of Monsters. This released in October 1989, and it was composed by Masatomo Miyamoto. Thank you. 
If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Coming up next, let's take a listen to Moonbase from Star Ocean till the end of time. This released on August 31st, 2004, and it was composed by Matoy Sakuraba. Rounding out this block, we're going to take a listen to Supermoon from No Man's Sky. Released August 9th, 2016, composed by 65 Days of Static.
coming back in, we are talking about Planet X, or the title theme, from Godzilla, Monster of Monsters. Again, released October 1989 and composed by Masatomo Miyamoto. Uh, I, dude, I, I love the vibe of this track, too. Like, It's really fun, man. I don't remember a lot about this game. Um, you and I were both talking. No, we have played it. Like you said, you rented it. I know I probably rented it from a local store. I remember playing it, but I don't have that many memories of it. I don't remember it being good. Um, but something about this track, like when I rediscovered it, because I honestly was looking for things titled Planet X. Um, and that's how I rediscovered this particular track. And I really like the sound. Like it has kind of that vibe that I was kind of trying to describe earlier on in the show. Um, not nearly as impressive as the Silver Surfer track we listened to, right? And, and not nearly as otherworldly. Well, but <laughs> it's still, it's really good. Nothing, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't think you can compare anything to the Silver Surfer track, you know. No, I know. Uh, I know. It's on a whole other planet, you know. But of course. But planet yeah, X. this um, this is very very solid, very good use, especially coming from you know not coming from one of the big studios. It's not a Sunsoft or a Konami or a Capcom or anything like that. Uh, but it sounds like it could have come from one of those games. And like you, I don't remember much about this game. I rented it once or twice, I think, and I don't remember really enjoying it. But mm -hmm. but this track is a lot of fun. And this part that we're listening to right now, that's, uh, I mean, it's looped, but it comes back in around the 150 mark. Yep. It plays with the, the time and the rhythm, and I really like that part a lot. I don't think this track has anything to do with Godzilla, does it? Like, just from, <laughs> again, most of my knowledge of Godzilla comes from the movies. Um, but I don't think that, and I don't think Godzilla is from planet X. So no, um, <laughs> but imagine if he was, I, I don't know if, uh, Kung Fu Carlito listens, but Carlos, if you're out there, uh, let us know what, if anything, you know about this game. And if this music reminds you of anything else, uh, Godzilla. -y. <laughs> okay. 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 Is he a Godzilla fan? Um, yeah, actually he was just on an episode of, um, VG Emporium with Rage Cage and they talked about Kaiju and, uh, Carlos is a fan of all things Asian cinema. He has a whole podcast okay. about it. So nice. Yeah. It's cool stuff. The heroes three podcast. If you like, like Asian films, go, go check that out. You will not be disappointed. Nice. Very Plus nice. Carlos is just a super nice guy. He's been on my show once or twice. So, but all right, but yeah, man, the very nice NES stuff. But uh, absolutely, yeah. Like I, I don't know, man. Something about that melody just gets to me. I'm listening to it again. Something about that melody is just so nice. Yeah. But then it's we really go cool. into a journey. We go into a journey here, not from Journey the game, but we go into Star Ocean. Oh, I could have brought something from Journey though. Now that I think about it, Star Ocean till the end of time. Again, released August 31st, 2004, and composed, of course, by Matoi Sakuraba. Um, we listen to Moonbase, and this is much more JRPG style, right? It has that almost battle feel, even though I don't believe this is a battle theme from what I remember. I do think this is just the background tune that plays as you're exploring this particular location on a moon. Um, and one of the big things that I always think of, and this is what I was talking about at the start of the show that I think too when it comes to video games is Star Ocean. Like Star Ocean really opened my eyes to a lot of space exploration back on with this particular game. This is actually my introduction to the series. I didn't previously play Star Ocean 1 or 2 until well after I had played through 3. 
And it was this game that really made me fall in love with what might be possible in a gaming scope about exploring things that we will never actually be able to explore. And of course, it's just creations from somebody's mind, right? Like these planets don't actually exist. A lot of these star formations probably don't exist that they go to, but it's still cool. And honestly, with the multitude, right, there's, we can't even fathom how many stars there are out there. There's so many different um, theories on, on just how many there actually are. But through the vast expanse of the universe, there could actually be anything that someone could probably think of is out there somewhere, right? Because there's just an endless amount of stars with an endless amount of planets orbiting stars there's bound to be something out there for everything. Yeah, I mean, just the law of averages seems to dictate that there's there's got to be you know something out there. But but it is you know you think about these things like Star Wars and Star Trek and the, these and well and comic books where these people have like explored whole galaxies and the idea that that is something that could happen on on any sort of realistic level just. I have have not been convinced by anything in hard science that faster than light travel is possible. We are now figuring out, you know, like quantum physics and there's more stuff mm -hmm. out there. But we all that happens on a level so much smaller than us. We're eons away from figuring out how we might be able to apply that, you know, on the macro level. And we're going to destroy ourselves before then. So, Absolutely. I mean, it's like uh, faster than light travel would have to be possible in order for any meaningful you know, transportation on a galactic scale, let alone intergalactic. So th this, I mean, it's going to be confined to like the realms of our fantasy, but it's still so freaking cool to think about. And, and the games that let you do that kind of thing, it, you know, it's, it's really cool stuff. And, and the idea that people can put this, you know, literally out of this world concept into practice like this is really super impressive. What's interesting. Plus, I, about... I just love this track. Yeah, no, this track is sick. <laughs> And what's interesting, what's interesting about what you just said, right, like Star Wars, Star Trek, things like that, for the most part, those stories are um, spanning like one particular solar system or even like one galaxy, right? So as the, I mean, Star Wars famously starts out in a galaxy far, far away. So it explores this one particular galaxy. And as the universe continuously expands, which we know it still is, the universe is still expanding, um, galaxies, except for some of them, right? I know Andromeda and Milky Way are destined to collide in like another million years or something like that. Um, but most galaxies are drifting away from us. So yeah, it's it's really like everything we see indicates not only that the universe is still expanding at an ever increasing rate, but that everything in the universe, again, with a few exceptions, is also getting farther away from each other. Correct. It's really kind of mind boggling. So as things get further and further away, who's to say there's not a galaxy somewhere out there in the universe where the shit that happens in Star Wars isn't actually happening? But we would never know about it, and they would never be able to reach us because of the vast distance between the galaxies. Right, yeah. But there could be a, a civilization out there that actually has figured out how to master at least galactic travel, right, to colonize yeah. different planets in their own galaxy. 
but that we would just never be able to tell because we would never see it. We could never I'm see sure it. I'm sure somewhere out there, there's a, there's a planet where the trees breathe, man. Yeah. I mean, Earth, they breathe. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. They do. Man, all this, all this galactic stuff, maybe the Mormons really are onto something. I mean, Kyle and I have been having conversations <laughs> about that somewhat recently, and uh, they get a lot of things... I don't want to say they get a lot of things right, but they have a lot of interesting ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess Scientology also talks about space and weird stuff like that, but, um, but it's the most, I guess, traditional religion that also has some sort of concept of planets and space and things like that, and, uh, you know, I think it's just as likely to have happened that way as uh, any other number of the creation accounts out there, so... Kind of like you you talk about space and how far things are away from us and how we'll never know, you know, because because they're so far away. Um, as as we get further and further through time, it gets harder and harder to know how things happened way back then. So, you know, yeah. we'll never really truly know, I don't think, but it's still fun to talk about. And this is a fun track to talk to it uh, to play while we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's sad that we'll ever we'll never actually know. Like that that's honestly heartbreaking, right? Because there's well, maybe so much is, to but, know. But I think that there's also an argument to be made that if we did know, would we come up with all of these cool stories explaining how it might have happened? Yeah, but those are just stories. Then at the end, those are just like anything we create here on Earth, like fiction, nonfiction. Those are just stories. Yeah, but stories are fun, dude. Stories are fun, but so <laughs> is knowing how something actually works. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And, and that man, that's, true. that's the one that's like when I die, I don't care what happens. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen after we leave this plane of existence. From all accounts, something else happens, right? Well, no matter what you believe, something else happens. Um, I hope it doesn't that, stay the way it is. <laughs> it certainly doesn't stay the way it is. But I hope that um, some form of knowledge is attainable if you can still exist in a, in a state that you know, can comprehend it after this life um i just want to know <laughs> i just want to know here's hoping man yeah i'd love here's hoping would love to know but then we go from star ocean and its moon base to a game that really kind of blew the doors open on space exploration when it released and not even to a good degree um, now, since it did come out, it has gone through several updates and iterations and expansions and has actually become a really phenomenal game. But when it first came out, it was way too ambitious and it wasn't that good. And we're talking about No Man's Sky. We listened to Supermoon. Again, this was released on August 9th, 2016, and it was composed by 65 Days of Static. This is such a cool track, man. Very much in the style of... Um, Hmm. Again, I think Pink Floyd, right? So I'm thinking kind of in the, in the style of yeah. Dean Evans and the Green Lantern track we listened to earlier. Um, it just also brings in a light touch of vocals, right? With some of those choir elements in the background kind of baked in. I really like this a lot. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah. This is, uh, again, just kind of sinking into it and just letting it... It's a different vibe, you know, because it's not as synthy as, as our first no. couple of blocks. No, not synthy. But mm -hmm. it's definitely something I could see myself spending hours just, like, exploring an area with, with this kind of thing playing. It's, uh, it's not aggressive. 
It's uh, really passive. Um, it kind of lulls you in to, uh, to that. But then, like, I, I just entered into an area around the minute 45 mark that there's some cool uh, melodic stuff going on here. I really yeah, dig it. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the uh, when the soundtrack was released, right? It says music for an infinite universe. And that's exactly what it is. Yep. Oh, man. This is good stuff. No Man's Sky is a game that I have purposely avoided because I know that if I ever get into it, I'm going to be lost. <laughs> and it's about to how be... I kind of I'm not I don't want to say eclipsed but Starfield releasing, that's a good word for it <laughs> yeah no I know it is but Starfield coming out in less than two months right a very similar approach yeah to the gameplay that No Man's Sky set out to do um, Starfield you can explore a thousand planets like 10% of them actually have life and you know that kind of stuff on there now No Man's Sky I think has more than a thousand planets um mm-hmm. And everything is procedurally generated. So, like, as players were uncovering this universe in No Man's Sky, it was almost AI generated, right? Like, it was kind of going, and as someone would discover something, if you were the first one to do that, somebody else got there, it would say that you discovered it first. Like, you were the one that found that planet. You could name inhabitants on the planet, and others would discover it if they went into the same section of the universe that you did. So it was kind of like a connected, shared experience. And that's still, to this day, kind of hard to grasp how they did it. Yeah, it's... And that's why it failed, because it was too ambitious. By all accounts, um, it does seem like Starfield is going to deliver on the promise that No Man's Sky made. Um, Yes, I I think it it refined the promise No Man's Sky made, got rid of the stuff that they knew is like damn near impossible to pull off, and focused on what they could do. And I, and I said No Man's Sky failed. I strictly mean the original launch, right? And even the first couple expansions. No Man's Sky was largely avoided and, and ridiculed. But over the last few years, it really, really turned around. Yeah, yeah. like you said, the, it really seems to have done a great job of like listening to the player base and evolving the way it needed to, to you know, to make people happy. So Absolutely, yeah. I just love this track, man. And I like going from moon base to super moon. That was a nice, uh, nice <laughs> flow. I, I like that too. I like that. This is, uh, I, I love it when we've got this, you know, these very um, intentionally crafted blocks and it's not just like, I'm going to put these three songs here and we're definitely, I think we're doing that tonight. Well, I'm excited to see if maybe you have something in store for this next block here. You know, it's interesting because I say that, and my next block is really Just kind of a grab them bag together. block. <laughs> there, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, it's it's not three comic book tracks, and it's not uh, like yours. But, but I will say. Um, I do really enjoy each of these three tracks for different reasons. Uh, and again, uh, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because this last track was not originally written for a video game, but it was altered and then featured in the video game that we're going to be talking, excuse me, that we're going to be talking about. So, and you really liked, liked it when I brought something from this group uh, recently. Mm. So you're going to enjoy this track. I can't wait. And I don't even <laughs> know if there's vocals, but I already put it in. If you notice the script I put composed and performed, I'm just assuming it's a vocal <laughs> track. <laughs> All right. Well, we will get to that. But first, let's go ahead and start out with 
Demantoids World from Steven Universe Unleash the Light, released November 27, 2019, composed by Ivy Tran and Steven Valema. Coming up next, we're listening to Galaxy Man Stage from Mega Man 9, released September 22nd, 2008, composed by Yushimoda.
Closing out my second block, let's take a listen to On Top of the Universe from SteamWorld Heist, released December 10th, 2015, composed and performed by Steam Powered Giraffe. Slip for days Can't focus on anything Oh no, always on my mind And God, it'd be so kind If you could let me be For my entire life And it's far too much for me to hold inside Feels like I'm on top of the universe On a shooting star Well, life is so wonderful And everything is by far So spectacular Falling in love But don't catch her A few girls will offer you well, What's that, rabbit? A love that feels like this Oh, hey now Don't ask for any more Well, okay Just run and go quickly All right
coming back in, we are first talking about Demantoids World, or World 2, from Steven Universe Unleash the Light. This was a mobile game based on the, uh, the show uh, by Rebecca Sugar. And um, this was also the last in a trilogy of mobile games that actually, uh, they were RPGs that got fairly decent reviews. Is this from only a mobile game? Uh, it started out that way. Let me actually see. Um, it was first released on iOS and has since been ported to um, Windows, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Okay, so, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so I think the the main thing that I, I heard people complain about on these, or read that people complained about on these games is that the style, visual style is different from the show. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's the music is consistent the writing gets written by the creator of the show um composed by the by same Cartoon guys Network as well. games yeah composed by the same um the same writers for the show musical writers for the show and um yeah this is a fun little show uh steven universe does in fact travel through the universe and and uh brings about intergalactic well, tries to bring about intergalactic peace that is his goal uh he is thwarted in that by um different uh, different entities uh including like yeah, this these three games happen kind of independent of the plot of the show but i think they happen after the plot of like the main the first series there was another series after steven universe called steven universe future i want to say my kids really got into these um i thought they were fun uh, definitely they could have picked worse things to watch but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i unfortunately don't have any experience with this show um never yeah seen it. uh most of um uh i was not gonna say most a lot of people that i know who happen to be conservative would probably say the show is too woke uh, okay. But it's not heavy-handed about it. It's just kind of in the way it presents its characters and how they treat each other and other people, okay. um, uh, which is, you know, nicely and with dignity. And they're all like just pretty cool <laughs> with each other. So, um, <laughs> but what a foreign so concept. The, um, so Stephen is half human and half gem, and the gems are from this other planet called Gem World, where uh, uh, basically the sentient beings are made from like gems that are mined from the ground, um, and they then can like personify. They can create a body, and but their gem is like the center of their their being. So um, I've Steven's read about mom, planets that actually are like that. By the way, like oh that's cool planets that like literally based on the atmosphere of the planet, like or at least what we can tell the atmosphere of that planet probably is through the you know the light spectrum bends or whatever. Mm -hmm. There are theories out there that there is planets where it like rains down gemstones and stuff instead of oh rain. yeah yeah i've read about that yeah like i mean even our solar system and sapphires and that kind of stuff yeah i've heard that on uh on either uranus or neptune that it, it could it might possibly rain sapphires yeah so, mm -hmm. it's um, crazy yeah that's cool um but Stephen's mom was one of these gems that was sent to Earth uh, to conquer it, basically, and then met Stephen's dad, who was a human, and um, they had Stephen, and so now he's kind of half and half. And so he travels the universe with some of the other gems who broke away from the main, like, gem empire that wanted to colonize Earth, and now they kind of fight back against the gem world and are trying to uh, save the universe from them. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool show. Uh, the gems are all, all without exception, um, 
they are presented um, like femininely uh, as what we would call female, even though they don't have biological sex. Um, and so the fact that some of them are in relationships with each other uh, was one of the things that got this on the radar of some far right groups. But it's it's a kid's show. It's not sexual in any way. Like I said, they don't have biological sex, so they, they can't. They're completely asexual beings. So, um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I like it, and I just thought this music was, you know, kind of nice, nice vibe. Yeah. What did you no, think this, of this song? This, this actually track? has a great vibe, dude. It's, um, there's a little bit of funk going on here. But you attributed this as we were listening to it to like industrial club. And <laughs> that is such a perfect description, dude. Like it's yep. basically I mean, what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm and not. I dig great. that vibe. I dig that sound. I really like that a lot. But yeah, that seems to fit. So I'm glad. I'm glad it fits. And yeah, I just like it. It's a it's a head bobber for sure. Yeah. So And it doesn't last very long. Nope, not that long. Not that long at all. About as long as our, our next track, which uh is a very NES style game, even though it did not actually come out on the NES. Talking about Mega Man 9, and maybe my favorite track from this game, Galaxy Man. Um, there were a lot of really strong tracks in Mega Man 9. Um, maybe more per capita than any other Mega Man game since Mega Man 3. Um, but uh, And I think Mega Man 9 was all composed by you Shimoda and then in Mega Man 10 they had like legacy composers from the series come back and contribute different tracks there were a but... few other composers I had to look on VGMDB to get okay. it down but Mega Man 9 did have a couple other composers in there um, as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, good nothing, to know. Nothing legacy, though, from, from what I remember. Yeah, not like Mega Man 10 where they brought back, like, Minami Matsumai and, you know, um, some of the others from the other, like, uh, Yasuaki Fujita, I believe, was on one of them. And, like, yeah. But this um it's just a fun track galaxy yeah, man is uh did you play mega man i'm sure you played it do you remember much about it um i don't remember like story wise or story beats or anything like that but i did definitely play uh mega man 9 um i remember this particular character because it is shaped like a flying saucer and i always thought that was the coolest thing <laughs> yeah he looks super cool and uh, like he looks like he'd be a fun robot to hang out with, you know. Uh, most of the robot masters, you know, they're not created to be evil. I think there were a couple of exceptions that were actually made by Wiley, but most of them were just, you know, regular ordinary service robots that were co-opted. And Galaxy Man is no different. Galaxy Man was created by Doctor Light to be a like a galaxy exploration robot. Um, uh, he works in a space research center, and it is his job to instantly calculate the trajectories for rockets. Um, it's uh, the Wikipedia says he, or sorry, the Mega Man Wiki says he loves to observe stars and name any new ones that he finds. So, you know, just sounds like a cool dude. Yeah, um, I love his design. Uh, so yeah, I had to check again just because we were talking about it. Um, Ippo Yamada, Ryo Kawakami, Yu Shimoda, and Hiroko Is Isagai. Isagoi? Hiroki Isu Isu Isugai, yeah. Isu um, Isagai, yep. something like that. Yeah, they I were the four now. composers on yeah. this game. Yeah, and, and they man, were this all was so cool. Composers, basically. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Which makes sense. They they developed this along with Capcom. So, um, and man, they did such a great job with this. The presentation, the packaging, everything. 
it it felt like what we remembered Mega Man 2 feeling like. Oh, yeah. But was actually, you know, more polished and obviously more modern than Mega Man 2. But it, but it was able to capture that memory, which was super impressive. Yeah, yeah. This is a really, honestly, a great pick. And I do think, it again, it's not an NES track, but it has the same stylistics and, and kind of, like, structure of an NES track. I love that we had, like you said earlier quite a bit of NES on here, or at least chiptune, if you want to think of it that way. I am pretty sure that, and I I can see if I can look this up, but I'm pretty sure that this was developed with, uh, in a tracker, like it was made so that it would have played on an NES. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not seeing anything that specifically says that, but I think I remember reading or hearing that at one point down the line. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, but definitely, definitely a great track. I'm glad I was able to bring it in. Me too. There were some tracks that uh, I almost brought that just didn't quite make it, um, but I did put them on my my list for future radio hours, so I'm sure they will they will pop back up. Nice. But I'm excited when they do. But maybe one of my one of the tracks I was most excited to bring. Uh, <laughs> the other one ended my last block, Green Lantern. Uh, that was just I was really excited about that one. But the other one, man, that I knew mm. you would love and <laughs> that I loved when I heard it is from Steam Powered Giraffe, the um, group, and, and they're just a, their own independent group, but they're we, also we behind the music yeah. of SteamWorld Heist. Yeah, we talked about them on that Steam and Steampunk episode that Melissa mm-hmm. likes so much. Yeah. And uh, just like in the track that we closed that episode out with, this is a vocal track. It's and so um, good, actually man. from Steam Powered Giraffe's original album, um, which I think that the... I want to say the title of the album was on top of the universe. No, it was, it was, the album was called album one, <laughs> Okay, but this was the single from that back in 2009, but it was repurposed for steam world heist where it was one of the songs that you could hear in one of the bars, uh, that, um, pop up around the game where steam world giraffe are actually like characters in the bars yeah, in the game. Yep. Playing the music, dude, it's, this one left me kind of speechless. I I love this. Yeah. This is incredible. You're just, you're just, just listening necessi- occasionally. You would- not necessarily <laughs> the vibe that I was thinking about for this particular episode, but at the end might be my favorite thing we play on this episode. I'm really glad that you liked it, dude. I just <laughs> It just makes me smile. And the more I listen to their stuff, the more I know that if, if I just... Someday when I'm taking a long trip, if I just throw on a big Steam Power Drop playlist, I know I'm going to enjoy the ride. And their voices are so unique, right? Like They are. All three of them have such a unique sound. Um, I don't know. I know they're referring to one of them, like kind of the main singer there is Rabbit, but... I don't know what the other names of the characters are, but man, like they're all so different sounding. I just, mm, I love this so much. Yeah. Actually. And I, I like the back and forth and the, the way that they, they kind of talk to each other and yeah. the, and then when it's they come in with those harmonies, fifties, like yeah. car hop feel to it. <laughs> yeah. I can hear that. I can hear that. But man, when they do kick in with one of those real tight harmonies, it's just, oh, it's so sweet. It's so good. It's so good, man. <sighs> this has been a lot of fun, dude. I've really enjoyed this uh, cosmic vacation that we've been on. Yeah, we've kind of, I don't know, I don't really know how we could say that we went across the entire universe. Uh, hopefully we, we gave those vibes that feels like you did. But uh, <laughs> to, to cap that off, right, like, <laughs> I really... I would love to actually explore 
and I would love to see just a glimpse of anything that any of these tracks could have potentially portrayed that might exist out there. And the only way to do that would be to leave Earth. Yep. So to close the episode out, to close everything out, I was shocked when I looked into what we brought from the Mass Effect trilogy, and I know most of what we've brought from that trilogy would have been things that I submitted to the episodes, because um, I am such a big fan of the Mass Effect trilogy, more so specifically one and two than three. However, the game that I actually brought a track from to close this episode out is Mass Effect 3, and that is Leaving Earth. And man, this is such an emotional tune. It's very somber, very yeah. melancholic. Like, this is the moment you know there that it's, it's over, right? Like, I don't know how deep I can get into spoilers for Mass Effect. It's been out. This was composed 11 years ago, right? It came out in 2012 uh, by Clint Mansell. And... I'm, I'm sure the statute of limitations is it's up. It's probably free. <laughs> like, like, I was thinking, you know, it's been more than a decade, so I can say, right? Like, the Reapers and this thing, this uh, sentient, uh, I don't know if you can't really call them a race or anything, but they are, I guess, right? Like, a sentient being is going around and just wiping out civilizations that it knows it probably should. And humanity and earth you know was targeted and there was a civilization called the uh the protheans maybe if i'm remembering correctly it's been a minute since i played the trilogy um started with a p i think it was protheans sounds about right but um kind of developed and figured out some ways to fight back against these entities known as the reapers so earth is in a, a state of turmoil right you can even see it there in the the thumbnail like it is it is yeah kind of looking pretty grim for us here and i feel like this track brings that sort of feel and it's crazy because here in 2023 right 11 years after this track was composed and you look at the state of the world no matter how you want to look at it you have to see the world is in a state of disarray right earth is definitely in a state of disarray whether it's climate related whether it's humanity related whatever the case may be and it all probably boils back down to us at the end as the core root issue but um you look at the wars and the hate and everything that's going on and, it, and it's pretty bleak and it almost feels like is there anything left we can do or is our only option maybe to look to the stars and hope for something else better out there yeah um you know the the thing of it is uh, as much as we have sort of pervaded the place um and as much as any one of us as individuals may may not have a lot of uh, a, a lot of you know hope to to survive if there is uh, some sort of <laughs> Uh, in the game event, um, I do think that I mean the Earth is going to survive long after we're gone. Oh, wait, oh, uh, the, yeah. the Earth is going to recover and recuperate. Yeah, even even if we um, absolutely destroy it, it will recover. Yeah, I mean even if there is a nuclear winter and we blow ourselves away, the Earth will eventually recover. It'll take decades, um, but it will recover. It may take centuries depending on how bad we do it, but. True. But I also think that in some way, shape, or form, humanity will also survive. Uh, civilization, as we know it, probably would not survive something like that. But humanity itself, I think, will. 
And I do think that there are more, maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I think there are more good people out there than bad people. I think that what happens is the people who are more likely to grab power and hold on to it and use it to control other people are obviously the ones that we pay more attention to. Mm -hmm. But most of the other people who are just here to live and let live, I think that's who most of us are. And yeah, if we can, if we can channel that part of who we are as a species, then I think there's some hope for us. If not, the best we can do is Time to leave ride Earth. the wave as long as we can. Time to yeah. leave Earth. No. Bedroth, we just <laughs> went on a journey. We got to jump in our faster than light craft, right? We played a track from FTL earlier. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna jump in that cosmic uh, race car that Neon Drive put us into. And we're getting the hell out of here, man. <laughs> we're going to go find some other planet that uh, we can, and we'll just name it BG Mania. And uh, <laughs> it'll be paradise. Or, you know, maybe um, maybe there will be some uh, benevolent <laughs> uh, space cop regime like the Green Lanterns or some some little alien kid uh, that's going to come and uh, decide to try to save the universe on our behalf. And, uh, you know, that'd be cool. Not everybody would like it, but I think there'd be some cool things about that. Man, having a Green Lantern ring would be pretty fun. It would be that's, pretty fun. <laughs> I mean, these guys, these guys do patrol the whole universe. Like, I actually looked up at one point how how many how much of a universe a single green lantern would have to cover if um you know if they all had an equal portion of the like the size of the known universe based on how many lanterns the comics say there are each green lantern would have to cover an area of space equivalent to the size of i think like 46 milky way galaxies <laughs> which is so. damn near impossible <laughs> exactly so <laughs> i don't know what kind of magic those rings have in them but it's something <laughs> it's something but oh man yeah, you know what um, even if we do eventually have to leave Earth, I'm glad that uh, for the time being, we can still have times like we had on this episode, because this <laughs> was a hell of a lot of fun. That was cheesy. That was, but I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, are you ready to uh, to jump in that craft and get the hell out of here? I think so. I do actually have one thing to plug this finally? time around. Okay. Um, sometime in the next week or so, I am going to be guesting on the aforementioned uh, VG Emporium podcast hosted by Rage Cage. Uh, and we are going to be talking about something that lines up with one of our upcoming shows, which I'm not going to spoil. But I will say that we're going to be talking about um, side projects that video game composers have done. Um, things that are not video game music that some of these other composers may have been known for. Maybe they're not side projects. Maybe the video games are their side project. But it's something else that VGM composers have made. And I'm excited. Uh, VG Emporium is not as long as BG Mania. Uh, we're only going to have eight tracks. Uh, but Rage Cage is a goofy guy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hanging out with him. So. You'll have to drop the link to the episode in Discord once it posts. Yeah. Once that posts, it will definitely uh, be in our Discord and in my Discord. And probably in his Discord. So <laughs> we'll do some cross-promotion on that episode. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. You ready? Get out of here. I am ready, dude. Uh, why don't you tell us again one more time what's that last track? All right. 
right. Well, before I do, oh, but first you got to read all your stuff. Yeah, yeah. got to bring us <laughs> to the close of the show for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us, listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. If you like video game music, and more importantly, you like us and you want to help us grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. That way, you can get the link to that VG uh, Emporium episode that Bedroth was talking about once it posts. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking is out of this episode once again. We're going to be taking a listen to Leaving Earth from Mass Effect 3. This released on March 6, 2012, and it was composed by Clint Mansell. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.